So if you've heard of Jesus, you probably know about one of his famous teachings called the Golden Rule. Do to others what you would want them to do to you. And this, actually, is a restatement of something else that Jesus said, that the meaning of life is to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that's really beautiful, but what does he mean exactly by the word love? It's an unclear word in English, because you can love your mom and you can love pizza. And if the word love means the same thing in both of those cases, your mom's going to feel real bad. So what did Jesus mean in his language? Well, first of all, this love your neighbor phrase is a quotation from the Hebrew scriptures, where the word for love is ahava. However, the language Jesus spoke and taught in from day to day it was a cousin language of Hebrew, that is Aramaic, in which the word for love is rachma. But then, as Jesus' followers spread his teachings around the world, they translated them into Greek using the word agape. But here's what's fascinating. The earliest followers of Jesus who wrote the books of the New Testament in Greek, they didn't learn the meaning of agape by looking it up in ancient dictionaries. Rather, they looked to the teachings of Jesus and the story of his life to redefine their very concept of love. So one time, Jesus was asked about the most important command in the Jewish scriptures. And he first quoted from the ancient prayer in the Torah called the Shema. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. So love for God is the most important thing. But then Jesus quickly followed up by saying another command from the Torah was also the most important, to love your neighbor as yourself. So which is the most important, loving God or loving your neighbor? Jesus' answer is yes. To ask the question means you don't get his point. For Jesus, they are two sides of the same coin. Your love for God will be expressed by your love for people and vice versa, they're inseparable. And so this makes it clear that for Jesus, agape love is not primarily a feeling for someone else that happens to you, like our phrase, I fell in love. For Jesus, love is action. It's a choice that you make to seek the well-being of people other than yourself. Jesus also went on to teach that genuine love for God and others means seeking people's well-being without expecting anything in return, especially from people who are in difficult situations who can't repay you even if they wanted to. According to Jesus, this kind of generous love reflects the very heartbeat of God. And he took this even further. Jesus said that the ultimate standard of authentic love is how well you treat the person that you can't stand. Or in his words, you shall love your enemy and do good to them, expecting nothing nothing in return. For Jesus, this kind of enemy-embracing love imitates the very character of God himself. Now, we wouldn't be talking about Jesus still today if he had only said things like love your enemy. This is how he actually lived. Jesus was constantly helping and serving the people around him in very practical and tangible ways. And he consistently moved towards poor and hurting people who couldn't benefit him in return. He showed love for the forgotten ones, the people who usually fall through the cracks. And when Jesus eventually marched into Jerusalem, he made himself an enemy of the leaders of his people by accusing them of hypocrisy and corruption. But then instead of attacking his enemies to overthrow them, he allowed them to kill him. Jesus died for the selfishness and corruption of his enemies because he loved them. After Easter morning, Jesus and then his followers claimed that it was the power of God's love for the world that was revealed in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. As the Apostle Paul put it, God demonstrated his own agape for us in this. While we were still sinners, the Messiah died for us. Or in the words of the Apostle John, God's own agape was revealed when he sent his one and only son into the world so that through him we could have life. And for John, then, this leads naturally to the conclusion, beloved ones, if that's how God has loved us, then we ought to show love for one another. 
So Christian faith involves trusting that at the center of the universe is a being overflowing with love for his world, which means that the purpose of human existence is to receive this love that has come to us in Jesus and then to give it back out to others, creating an ecosystem of others-focused, self-giving love. And that's the New Testament meaning of agape love. Hey, thanks for watching this word study video by The Bible Project. We make lots of other videos and they're all about showing how the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus. You can go to our website, thebibleproject.com, see what we're working on, and even jump in to pitch in a few bucks to the next one. Thanks for being a part of this with us. Thanks, you guys. In my neighborhood, Christmas lights went up a little extra early this year, like before Thanksgiving even. The pandemic ruined a lot of things about the holidays, and people seemed to be in the mood to maximize the things that they love. They're hoping that this shot of love will help them feel the Christmas spirit. And we, when we use the word love in this context, we mean that emotional response we get, that shot of happiness that comes from the thing, from the experience, from the person. We use love to describe the pleasure we get from something. And I don't know about you, but this year I needed something a little sturdier because the pleasure has been unreliable. Vacations were canceled. Friends are two-dimensional Zoom characters now. School is like some kind of dystopian apocalyptic teen fiction scenario. Amid all that, it makes sense that we would double down on Christmas, on the things that we love to bring us pleasure that we feel we are owed after such a miserable year. There's nothing wrong with delight or pleasure. There's nothing wrong with Christmas cheer or matchy pajamas or cookies, but let's keep those things where they belong. Let's not let that feeling of warm pleasure or even sparkly delight be the measure by which we judge how much love is in our lives. When Jesus talks about love, he almost never limits it to the feelings associated with love. Like our love, the Aramaic word for love, chuba, has a lot of shades and meanings. So it's helpful instead to consider the way the Greek language describes love, giving each facet of love or chuba its own word. There's romantic eros, friendly philia, long-term pragma. Jesus's teachings center on what the Greeks called agape. Agape refers to the decision to put another's good above our own and it's usually counterintuitive. The first counterintuitive part of agape is the action itself. Parents know this. They know that the highest good and the delight of another person are different things. Because I love my kids, I don't let them OD on sugar. I don't let them play with the Drano or the iron fireplace tools. And that's a good reminder of how God loves us. Sometimes he loves us by saying no. And sometimes we love others by saying no. No to the people who want us to enable them, to cover for them, to lie for them. Sometimes we love people by telling the truth, even when a lie would delight them. And we go to that uncomfortable place out of love. We ruin the cozy night by the fire when we tell a sibling to stop making sexist or racist jokes. We ruin dinner when we don't serve alcohol at a table full of alcoholics, or by insisting visitors wear masks or eat outside or by not getting together at all in order to protect our loved ones. Seeking the highest good is often counterintuitive 
but we also need to check our hearts to make sure we're not just being condescending or judgy, to make sure that we're really seeking the highest good and not just trying to make our families or loved ones in our own image. And we're not just called to love any other. The golden rule, as explained by Jesus, gets really specific here. Luke 6, 31 through 35 says, And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and evil. Doing something for the people we love is actually part of the Christmas cheer that delights us so. We love to give presents because we love to see the delight on the faces of the people who delight us. Love, however, means seeking a higher good and doing so for people who bring us no delight, who can't or won't pay us back, who frustrate and annoy us, even who are openly opposed to us. A lot of times when we think of the Bible's instruction to love thine enemy, we think personally. We think of the people who bullied us as kids, the boss who belittles us, the parent who abused us. And loving those people is hard. It's really hard to stick up for a coworker who didn't stick up for you. It's hard to care for a parent who hurt you. But agape goes even further than our personal enemies. Agape love, for instance, applies to Republicans and Democrats. Right now, surveys show that those two groups view each other as immoral, even irredeemable. What does it mean to seek the highest good of the cousins and neighbors and co-workers whose political view you find repugnant? Agape love also informs how we use our power. It is uncomfortable racial righteousness and economic justice. Images of Black Americans and police officers shaking hands and hugging went viral this summer as the social media antidote to the protests. And too often, I think those images were used almost to chastise the protesters, as if to say, look, if you'll just love the power, the power will love you back. But that's not what Jesus was talking about. That's the love that makes us feel better. The handshake, the hug, while maybe a gesture toward the mending that is needed is not the mending itself. The mending is in how the police force and we, the citizens who pay for it, seek the highest good of a community of people who have been harmed. Love is how we respond to the cry of the hurting. The love that Jesus is talking about and that we really need this holiday season is power that seeks the highest good of the oppressed. That's what he came to do, not to return kindness for kindness, but to give everything to those who had nothing, to free captives, to mend broken hearts, that's what we're called to do when we show agape love to those who have hurt us, to those who disgust us, to those who oppress us, and to those we have oppressed. Let's pray. Jesus, may the light of the love candle shine in our hearts, illuminating every wound we have received 
and every wound we have inflicted. And then show us, Lord, how to respond to both with love. Show us how to love those who hurt us and to love those we have hurt. Lead us, Jesus, away from easy delight and into powerful, disruptive love.